What if I find myself getting so angry? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. We are up to the final parshas, portions, final parshas of the book of Bamidbar, Matos and Masse, Matot Masse, and within the parsha of Matos, we have a fascinating, very short section that deals with the laws of koshering, kosherizing, rendering kosher, those vessels that have become non-kosher. Now, the laws of kosher aside, but the what's intriguing is that the section is taught to Israel by Elazar. Elazar, the current high priest of Israel, son of Aaron, of Aaron, the first high priest of Israel. And Elazar is the one who tells the people that when they brought back the vessels after battling Midian, and they brought back the vessels in their spoils of war, that they should be purged of their non-kosher taste, either through fire or hot water, depending on how the taste enters the vessels, how that shall be removed. There's an element of toveling, of dunking in mikvah. But this section, this section dealing with the kosherizing, is taught by Elazar. Now, typically, at this juncture in history, laws of Torah are taught to Israel by... Moshe Rabbeinu, by Moses himself. Why is Elazar teaching this law? So, the commentaries describe two variant approaches. One is that Moshe was looking to see to it that Elazar would be listened to, would be acknowledged, and he basically deputized Elazar to teach this law in his presence so that when Moshe would pass away, not too far down the road, Elazar's word would be heeded. Rashi quotes a different source. Rashi quotes that Elazar taught the law because Moshe could not. Moshe could not teach the law because he lost the capacity to teach this law when he became angered. A short while before this, when the soldiers came back and there had been a clash of sorts, Moshe chastised them for making what he described as an error regarding the determination of who was to be taken as POW, who was to be killed, and Moshe got angry. In his anger, he lost touch with the law. For a second, he was detached and not able to proceed and teach this very important law at this juncture. They just came back. They have all these vessels. They need to know what to do with them. He could not proceed. And hence, Elazar had to step in. Now, Moshe's anger over here has to be put into context. This is the third time in the Torah that Moshe has displayed anger Actually, technically, you could argue it's the fourth, but three of which are associated with Moshe losing touch with the truth of Torah for the moment. One way back in the portion of Shmini, got angry at his uh, brother Aaron and his brother's sons at that moment due to what he thought was an error on their part. Turned out they were correct. Uh, we have uh, one other time, and then this one over here, and Moshe's anger each time is associated with his being slightly detached for the moment from the truth of Torah. Now, as we mentioned, to put into context, Moshe's anger is because of the fact that there is an error that was made in maintaining what he sees as maintaining the word of God. And in this instance, he actually is very correct that they did not follow through the way that they were supposed to. Separate discussion, do they know that, do they not know that? But Moshe's anger isn't because somebody offended him. It's not because of the fact that, hey, things aren't working out the way I had planned, my, my, uh, my rain and my picnic. His anger is standing up for 
Hashem, standing up for God, standing up for fulfillment of the Torah, and nonetheless, despite the fact that his anger could so easily be understood, could so easily be justified, could even so easily be seen as highly appropriate, it's a failure. There's an element, I should say, a failure that a Moshe, with his level of near perfection, is a deviation from that perfection due to the fact that there is this anger, there's this allowance for the agitation over what went wrong to be a, a disturbance that's affecting him internally. You can't have the pure, clean, absolute, thorough, fluent understanding of Torah and capacity to articulate that when in that state of anger. of Moshe, the Moshe's anger creates this detriment, this loss. And thankfully, Elazar is able to pick up the gap. Contrast this with, in last week's parsha, Pinchas, who avenged God's vengeance against the enemy in bringing sword against the enemy, but is granted the gift of shalom, the breeze of shalom. Apparently, although he's taking sword in hand to eliminate an enemy of God, it seems he managed to do that without having any internal anger. And God gives him the gift of shalom, which the Sephorno, an ancient commentator to Torah, printed in the Mikros Godolos texts, and, if I'm remembering correctly, he was also a physician, an Italian physician, the Sephorno comments that shalom, that peace, is also the inner peace, the lack of conflict, lack of stress, which is why we find that Pinchas outlives Joshua, outlives the other elders. We find Pinchas living into the book of Judges, of Shoftim, and potentially living an exceedingly long time. There's one tradition that Pinchas is known to us by another name, and that is Eliyahu Anavi, Elijah the prophet. And whether that is literal, that that is actually Pinchas, or whether that is a kind of a uh, reincarnation of Pinchas into that form, either way, we find Pinchas himself much after the story over here in the Torah, certainly a block that is beyond the standard lifespan of that era of time. The Sephardo comments, because when there is shalom, you take away that which taxes the system, that which causes the breakdown, the deterioration. And it's fascinating. When Rambam talks about the Messianic Age, unlike Ramban, Nachmanides, who understands the Messianic Age to involve a lot of miracle. Rambam understands that at least the initial stage of the Messianic era can be relatively normal existence. But, he said, this that the sages say, the man will live a thousand years, that doesn't take a miracle. Because when you eliminate uh, competition, aggression, uh, terrorism, burglary, war, take away all the negatives. Once the floodgates of wisdom are opened up and man recognizes objective good, objective truth, and you take away all of these sources of stress, the body can live a thousand years. Now, a generation or two ago, people looked at this Rambam and said, what are you talking about? The body parts can't live that long. But hey, we know now they are making hip replacements on 3D printers. So, okay, you'll go get your oil change for your car, and your knee change. Okay, every hundred years, you know, you get get a few body parts replaced, you can live a thousand years. Take away stress, you've got that longevity. Take away anger, you take away a lot of that stress. Nobody wants the stress. Nobody wants the taxing of the system and the deterioration. We want to live longer, and we want to live happier. We don't want the anger. 
reminding ourselves of the negativity of the hazards of anger can be a step in the right direction. But what if I'm past that? Okay, I, I, I know it's not a great idea, but right now, this guy is ruffling my feathers. She is causing me to be so upset. I am already triggered. My temper's building up. It's brewing. How do I pull back? So it's interesting. There's a um, fascinating possibility that if we at least can be mindful and catch ourselves at that moment, we may have a tool in the Hebrew word ava that can help us big time. Because if that person is right now causing you to get so riled up, the suggestion is love them. Now, love is hard if right now I'm angered. But I don't mean the emotion love. I mean take that word ava and activate it as follows. The root of the word ava is have, which is giving. In general, it's always a great idea. You want to develop a relationship with somebody, give to them. Not take from them. Give to them. Invest into them. In general, young couples, great advice that the more you are focused on giving to the other, the more you bond with the other. But here, right now, this person is agitating me. And let's assume we're talking about somebody, not an evil person, somebody who overall you'd rather not be in conflict with. It's somebody you'd actually like to be close with. It is a... Again, nobody in our Tachlis Talks audience is relevant to, but you all may have heard of others that occasionally have some bouts with a spouse, parent, sibling, child, coworker. So in such cases, I, I don't want to be at odds with them, but right now they are causing me to just build up inside and I'm getting so agitated. Love them means do something positive toward them in that moment. What? That's so contrary. They're disturbing me. Yes, do something positive. You can't do something positive. It's going to seem crazy to do something positive. Think something positive. Project something positive. Plan something positive. I am so frustrated, but right now I'm going to also focus on, hey, when it's her birthday, his in, our anniversary, um, you know, whatever, the upcoming weekend, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z for them. Plan that, put that into your brain at least, even if you can't actually activate it in the moment, and you will be able to offset a lot of that negative energy because you've shifted into the emotion of love rather than anger. So step number one, again, as contraindicated as it might seem, but it's a very helpful and significant tool. You want to get past the anger. Don't let the sense that right now I've got to show them, I need them to realize Hey, you want them to realize they need to learn a lesson right now? So don't tell them you're loving them, but do. In your mind's eye, be not just theoretically loving, planning out something positive in that direction. Number two, another thought. Uh, One of the great sages of uh, European Jewry was known that he had an anger jacket. He had a jacket in his closet. When he felt himself getting very disturbed, very angry, he would go put that jacket on. What does that do? For a moment, there's a pause. I need to go grab that jacket before I'm going to react, before I'm going to comment, before I'm going to display my wrath. I'm going to switch gears for the moment. I'm putting on that jacket. Just a physical move 
leave the room, stand up, sit down, do something to shift, to get your body moving because your brain is going to follow the body. And something else happening. It's going to steer it off course of the current anger. That shift and the stall so that it's not my immediate knee-jerk reaction, which is likely to snowball whatever's going wrong over here and just let it get out of hand. So the, the stall and the shift are crucial. I don't know if you want to actually get an anger jacket and hang it in the closet, but the notion of I'm not going to respond right away. I am upset, I am angered, and I'm going to pause before I respond will allow some degree of rational reaction rather than emotional reaction. These two elements, the pause and love and the shift tracks and stall, clearly interrelated, get us off that track of heading down the wrong direction. And think about it. Odds are, the, the issue that's getting me angry, I want to resolve. And I'm much more likely to resolve that if I am seen as content and calm than if I am in battle mode. And, okay, in the rare situation, I can just win the battle and get them to do what it is that I want. But most often... I'll be more successful and ultimately healthy relationships if we can be in that shalom mode and eliminate the anger. So let's do that. Let's be the type of people who are conscious of the dangers of anger even when the cause seems kosher. Again, Moshe's anger was at issues that were not personal. He was standing up for the right thing, but when it hit him internally to whatever degree, again, on his great, great spiritual level, that actually affected him, it blocks the capacity to share that Torah. So even if it sounds like, yeah, they're representing the wrong wrong party or the wrong team or the wrong side of the debate about the masks or no masks, whatever the issue is going on of the day, even if they're on the wrong side and it's a big deal, and sometimes it is a big deal, and sometimes we need to stand up for the issue and correct them, but it shouldn't be with anger. It should be with a sense of Okay, I want to resolve this problem. I need you to know that you are on the wrong side of this issue, but it's not going to work when it comes across with that anger and that sense that it's so personal and it's so I'm so riled up, I, I lose my credibility anyway. So let's steer off that track to start with. Stay as far away from it as we can, recognizing the hazards. When we start going down the track, to find that way to hit the pause button, generate the love shifting tracks to it, you know, shifting gears to uh, simply walk out of the room for the moment, refresh, and in so doing, be much more um, in control, good anger protection, anger management, people of shalom, and be the type of people who are far more likely to manage to achieve our tachlis.